Welcome to Not Just a Shooter 1.6, brought to you by Gordon Fall of New York Life Insurance. We are about to revel in the glory that is the Brian Colangelo scandal, and I don't even know how to possibly introduce this podcast except to say that it is about to be a lot of fun. Shooter 1.6. We still have a lot to cover, but this time a lot of it is absolutely hilarious. Uh, So we welcome back Alex Cook. Uh, Are you ready to talk some LeBron? And more importantly, are you ready to talk some Brian Colangelo? I am already laughing. You know, I'm a little disappointed you vetoed my idea of making this solely a Brian Colangelo pod, but... I'm not entirely against it. We could do that still. We have not started a non-exclusively Brian Colangelo pod necessarily. Um, however, we probably should talk should a little bit of LeBron, first, right? a little bit. So, uh, before we dive in, we are once again brought to you by Gordon Fall of New York Life Insurance. His website is gordonfall.com. That is G-O-R-D-O-N fall.com. And before we get into the absurd, I don't even know what to call it, coming out of Philadelphia right now, um, we have to discuss, uh, Boston, Cleveland, um, which, uh, like the Western Conference Finals that we discussed on the last podcast, also went seven games, um, thanks to LeBron James just being historically great at basketball. Uh, it looks like Boston might be able to pull off the upset, and uh, especially looks like that when Jason Tatum crams all over LeBron. That was pretty wild. Um, but uh, I... I I mean, LeBron goes for 35-15-9 and nine in Game 7, and it's a worse stat line than he put up in Game 6. And it's the first time in a Game 7 that he hasn't put up 40 points or a triple-double. Um, he's pretty good. He's still got it on. I would just like to say shout-out to Jeff Green for saving their season because his secondary scoring in that game, they needed those points. Neither team could shoot. The Celtics kind of pulled the Rockets and only hit 18% of their threes. <clears throat> so comes down to the... Uh, underdog shooting a really uncharacteristically bad uh, percentage from three in each of the conference finals at home. And Terry Rozier especially, um, I think he had like four points on double-digit field goal attempts. Jalen Brown was 5 of 18 shooting. Tatum dunked all over LeBron and then followed it up with a, a three. And at that point, you know, with a couple minutes left to take the lead, it was like, oh my gosh, is Jason Tatum really going to do this in game seven? And it's like, nope, LeBron's going to do this again. I believe Cleveland went on a 13-2 run after Tatum dunked all over Braun and then mugged him, which was amazing. And I'm glad he did it. But uh, What's funny? The, the look LeBron gave him was like, oh no, like this... I turned to my brother and I said that LeBron was going to murder somebody with a dunk. I wasn't quite correct, but he just murdered Boston with the rest of the game. What was funniest to me about that was uh, Jason Tatum's only 19. so He's 20 now. He can almost drink. LeBron first entered the league. How old was Jason? I mean... He's a little, he's a toddler basically, and he's woofing at LeBron. Yeah, I mean, he talked about how he like, you know, he grew up watching him. He said like it wasn't disrespect. It was, just, you know, it's just like an emotional basketball reaction, which is exactly what it was. Um, yep. And a very fun one, and a very unexpected one. Uh, but then uh, they got dusted, and that was probably to be expected considering LeBron James was involved. I mean, even though 
I mean, Cleveland supporting cast is so bad that I guess I can't say it was to be expected. But um, especially, you know, you do have Kevin Love sustaining a concussion. Um, so Cleveland is effectively without him for the last two games of the series. Uh, hence the Jeff Green game that we got in Game 7. Um, we don't really have updates on him yet. Presumably he will be back uh, at some point in the finals. They did show him, you know, talking in the hallway during Game 7, so it's not like they had him locked away in a dark room all week. Uh, so hopefully he's okay, um, even though he hasn't been playing that great. Um, not a good sign when you sit out a Game 7 because of an injury. I'm kind of no, that's true. skeptical that he'll be 100% or but, even close to it. You know, it's a concussion. The There's just a pretty like hard and fast time frame on that, and it doesn't matter whether it covers a Game 7 or not. At least I hope that's how they're handling it. Um but I think they're better than the NFL. I I mean it'd be hard not to be. So <laughs> we'll give him that. But uh, yeah, LeBron uh, he played all forty eight minutes in this game, um, and it was the first time he'd done that since uh, early on in his career. I believe the last time he'd done it was against the Pistons in the playoffs, which already gives you a bit of a, a time frame, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and it wasn't the most recent time the Pistons have faced Braun. Um, but he was just on a completely different level for another couple games. I don't, I don't even know what else we can really say about him. Um, I thought the Celtics yeah. did an, did a remarkable job of getting what they could out of uh, what was uh, by Game Seven a, a, a tight seven man rotation. Uh, Brad Brad Stevens did a brilliant job, but I mean, you mentioned the three point shooting. Uh, Terry Rozier kind of reverted to Louisville Terry Rozier at absolutely the wrong time, uh, at least in terms of his shooting ability. He did, and a great playoffs in general, and it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what direction that team goes um, because they they have some choices to make, um, but that is a different segment. So before we move to that segment, because we, we've got some postmortems, and I don't know if I can wait any longer to talk about Brian Colangelo, uh, who's going to come up in this next segment. Uh, final thoughts on, on Cleveland-Boston? It was a really evenly matched series. Um, compelling in its own way, but the games generally weren't very competitive. So the home team won every game up until Game 7, and... It was easy to think, oh, yeah, this might actually wind up mattering. You know, Cleveland's been terrible away from home. Boston's been great at home, but came out ice cold. Um, two of their three young players that kind of had to step up. In the absence of Irving and Hayward, they didn't play well. Tatum looked great in Game 7, but I just can't help but think that <clears throat> it would have been a gentleman sweep for Boston had Kyrie and Hayward been healthy, and I think they would have won pretty easily if either had been healthy. Um, you know, LeBron's LeBron, but I mean, as we saw with his first stint in Cleveland, you can only carry crappy players so far. I mean, he did do it to the finals once, but not against a team as well facing a team as good as Boston in the East. Um, at least, a, a fully wep- weaponized version of this Boston team would have been, uh, I'm, I'm with you that Boston at full strength wins this series, even though I believe LeBron can do pretty incredible things. Um, I mean, it, you know, I would, I would consider this one of his greatest accomplishments just to get this team this far, um, despite the fact that uh, he had a bit of a hand in uh, why the team is this poorly constructed in the first place. Um, 
Not entirely on him, but some of it's on him. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting to think of him as just running the franchise, right? Especially because his long-term commitment isn't necessarily there. And I do I love that he just like walked. I love that he just walked right by Dan Gilbert at the trophy <laughs> presentation. Like he was just some jerk that had walked into the room, like barely even looked at him. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, but uh, speaking of roster construction. Uh, we have a few postmortems to catch up on, uh, so we are going to do that on the other side of this break. You're an MGO blog reader, so you've probably already met Gordon Fall. Yes, the guy who comes to all of our events. Yes, he is named after Gordy Howe. Yes, Wayne Gretzky knows this and says hi, Gordy, whenever they cross paths. Seriously. Gordon has stepped up to sponsor this podcast, so we should tell you what he does. Gordon is a licensed agent with New York Life Insurance. He specializes in holistic policies for individuals with long-term goals and short-term financial situations. He would like to expand that roster now in anticipation of opening his own shop next year and would rather work with fellow lifelong Michigan obsessives. If you're starting out in your career, growing your family, or beginning to think about retirement, you should talk to Gordon about crafting a plan for you. Visit GordonFall.com to start the conversation. That's G-O-R-D-O-N Fall.com. Yo, yo. I go by the name I'm of Pharrell from the Neptunes, and I just want to let y'all know I'm your push. The world is about to feel something that they never felt before. Come on. From ghetto to ghetto, the backyard to yard, I sell it whip on whip, it's off the hard. I'm the neighborhood pusher, call me subwoofer, cause I pump bass like that jack, on or off the track. I'm heavy cuz, ball to your fathers, you can duck to the Fetty Gov, sorry my love, but I'm seeing through these eyes. Benz convoys with the wagon on the side, only big boys keep deuces on the ride, Gucci Chuck Taylor with the dragon on the side, man. Alright, so we, we're starting with Boston here, which is... Uh, if we're looking at an Eastern Conference super team, I, I, I think Boston is actually where you start even before Philly. This playoffs uh, kind of changed the uh, thinking, as well as some other recent events that we'll get to. Um, but uh, Boston manages to push Cleveland to seven games, really push them. Uh, Jason Tatum is, as you probably well know by now, 20 years old. Um and recently turned 20 at that. He's locked up for the next few years. Um, Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving will return from injury. Al Horford will be back for another year. Uh, Marcus Morris can be back for another year. Jalen Brown is still on his rookie contract. Uh, Terry Rozier is still on his rookie contract. Uh, the the decisions to make here come down to uh, Marcus Smart, and that's about it. I mean, and, Bo- and Boston's locked into being good. Yeah, they have a br- as bright a future as anybody aside from the Warriors, I think, um, just in terms of the assets they have, the type of roster that they have going, and really the flexibility moving forward. I mean, two young stars on rookie deals in Brown and Tatum. I mean, you can net a King's ransom for that. They still have good picks, um, kind of a echo after effect of the um, 
Nets trade way back when. Seems like a long time. The highway know, robbery. The highway robbery. The worst trade of NBA history, probably. And it's up there. We'll see. We'll see what the um, Celtics have to offer. I was really impressed by Tatum Brown and Rozier in the playoffs. I think Rozier's play kind of makes you wonder if Marcus Smart is worth the money that he will be getting to the Celtics. Um, you know, really good player in, in certain ways, kind of a liability in others. You know, ter- the most confident sub 30% three point shooter I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. But the type of dude that'll brick a three and then go get an offensive rebound and put it back for an and one. And an incredible defender. Yes. Incredible defender can guard big guys. Um, really, uh, strong for his size and it'll be interesting. My biggest question isn't necessarily what they do for Marcus smart is whether they make a big move this off season with one of their kind of core pieces. I think you look at Irving Hayward Horford, they're all on huge contracts. They're all all stars Tatum and Brown barring some unforeseen circumstance are going to be all stars, but they're kind of, built too much on the perimeter, I think. I think they could use another big man. Horford's in his 30s. Well, especially since uh, Aaron Baines' contract expires, too, and he played a, an enormous role for the, him, them, especially in these playoffs. Yeah, uh, I think they can get a rebounder. I think they can get a big body on the inside. I'm just thinking more within the long term. So the next three to five seasons, they're going to have to make choices between these guys. And you look at this draft, kind of in the mid-lottery, there are a ton of really tantalizing big man prospects. You think a guy, okay, Mo Bamba, what would he look like on the Celtics moving forward? Marvin Bagley. I don't know how. Well, and there are some rumors floating around that Boston might try to trade up in this draft. As I mean, yeah, and possibly the, the one I saw on Twitter was saying they'd trade up to try to get Bamba, which I assume means they'd be looking at a top six pick. Um, and that's kind of, I assume you're, your Horford replacement, and then you wonder whether Horford comes into play because you'd, you'd have to give up a lot to move up that that high. Yeah, and I think you would plan on keeping Horford around and kind of show the young guy the ropes. And, you know, he's a good player still. He's signed through 2020. <laughs> and he is the only core player on that team who is over 30. Yes, yes. So Hayward in his prime, terrible injury, but he should be back close to 100% next season. Kyrie Irving still in his mid twenties. Seems like he's been in the league for quite a while, um, but he, uh, you know, was locked in for a while at a pretty reasonable price. Hayward's deal is much more costly to the Celtics. Yeah, Kyrie Irving is making the same amount in each of the next two years as Ryan Anderson, almost exactly. Wow, that it's crazy how that works. With the, I know I'm not a cap wonk compared to a lot of NBA Twitter, but just all of the changes from year to year and some of these deals, it's like. Timothy Mozgov, four years for sixty million. Like that's a thing that happened. Yeah, that 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 did. It's wild. That did. Um, striking while the iron is hot is uh, it, you know, timing's a big thing when it comes to NBA free agency because we we had a pretty absurd bubble recently, um, and that yeah, and, and then also that. the game changed and teams valued players differently because nobody would give Mozgov much of any contract right now. Uh, he's a very end of the bench guy. Uh, we and, saw that bubble manifest with the Pistons role player deals like John Lure, Langston Galloway, all that, all that funds ish. And, and I think that is a sign that we need to move on to another team because we have stopped talking about Boston. We have started talking about the Pistons who depress me because they are also about to interview Kenny Smith. 
uh, for their head coaching job, which I guess if you're trying to tank, but I don't think they would do that intentionally. But anyway. Steve was uh, a broadcaster. <laughs> that's true. Um, let's move on to Toronto very quickly. Toronto's going to have the same team. They're never going to win the East. They're a massive disappointment. Anything to add? Uh, yeah, other than just LeBron snatched their souls and they're never going to be the same again. I don't really have a whole lot to say. Awesome. Let's talk about Philly. Um, the 76ers, uh, we should first get out of the way that they are a very promising young team uh, built around Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, uh, maybe Markel Fultz. Who the hell knows with him? Um, Brian Colangelo knows. Yeah, apparently. Um, they have J.J. Reddick's $23 million deal expiring, so they will have a little bit of cap space to play around with, although uh, some of it is tied up, tied up in Robert Covington. Um, but for the most part, they've got everybody on quite reasonable deals. Um, they're a team that uh, could be in play for a whole lot, including LeBron James. But the Ringer reported yesterday uh, that their general manager, Brian Colangelo, um, had five Twitter uh, burner accounts that he was using uh, to basically release team secrets and criticize his own players while vehemently defending himself and crapping all over Sam Henke and uh, Toronto Raptors president Masai Ujiri. Uh, he even basically tipped off the uh, Markel Fultz trade. Uh, and he did this as a, an anonymous guy following a bunch of like Sixers beat reporters uh, among many other hilariously tied together accounts. And the ringer puts this together based off a tip. And I mean, it's, I, I it's the most insane NBA story I think I've ever seen in the NBA. I mean, there was a kidnapping during the off season. Uh, Deandre Jordan was kidnapped. It's no longer even remotely close to the most insane off season story I've seen because Brian Colangelo is nuts. It's, it's just funny to me that a guy in his position would be compelled to do that. Like, I know it's a stressful job, but I mean... You gotta on. be so insecure. I mean, like, I'm familiar with insecurity. Don't get me wrong, but once you've made it to where you're running an NBA franchise, I mean, put aside all the ridiculous things that he was putting out there, just why do you care? I don't know. Some people can never log off, Ace. They can. I, I they cannot. I I know I'm I'm occasionally one of those people, so I I do sympathize a bit with Brian Colangelo. But if I was paid as much as Brian Colangelo, I don't think I'd have Twitter. Yeah, never stop posting, Brian. And if, if I did, I would have somebody else running it. Uh, they would they would prevent me from you know indulging in my worst impulses which still do not come close to Brian Colangelo and there are still amazing details coming out like right before we started recording this uh some Sixers account put together uh that the phone number that he had used to to sign up for at least 3 of these burner accounts was his wife's phone number which is publicly uh, apparently searchable because somebody dug it up, I, I believe off it, it appears off of Facebook, um, but it ends in the same two digits as her phone number when you go to reset the passwords of these burner accounts. Um, 
Twitter is amazing, first of all. I just want to put that out there. Well, throwing this controversy to Sixers Twitter is like throwing chum in a bu- in a like tank full of sharks. Because man, Hinky died for their sins. They really hate Colangelo, and and for and for good Sixers reason it like, appears, and and not just for like he has made some questionable moves since he got to Philadelphia, um, but nothing more questionable than five burner accounts ripping on his own team and releasing secrets. And probably, I, I assume, you know, the, the Sixers are investigating this. They initially released a statement. That he's already copped to owning one of them. I, I, I assume all the rest of them are going to fall into place pretty shortly here. I don't know. I don't think there's much to investigate. The Sixers Twitter isn't already all over. Uh, there's no way you can keep this guy. Um, he's probably going to get fired. I'd say just hire Hanky back. But I, I, I don't think uh, life really works that way. Um, on a lot of different sides in, the, in this scenario. So suddenly the Sixers, I mean, Colangelo might get sued by Jaleel Okafor and probably should. <laughs> he should, yeah. So in addition to crapping on Joel Embiid's work ethic and trying to get beat writers to dig into certain angles at a player or bickering with fans about how Hinky was actually bad and Colangelo was really good. He is or, telling them that Okafor failed a physical, which is private yeah. medical information, not to yeah. mention totally undercutting your own team's trading power. Um, but, I mean, for the most part, it's just despicable and illegal. I mean, like, that's, that's insane. Uh, Okafor should be going after him with everything he's got, but, I mean, man, that... There are so many insane details about this that um, I know I prepared a top three. I believe you have as well of our favorite details from the uh, the Ringer's story. We should probably hit those before we keep going because that may that may cover a lot of the stuff that we're going to get to. Um, so consider this a, a gimmicky top three. Top three Brian Colangelo Ringer article details. Alex, your number three. My number three would be Brian Colangelo tweeting at somebody to defend his choice in collared shirts. Yes. So apparently he gets shirts custom tailored with larger than normal collars, which kind of weird, I guess. Not as weird as operating a bunch of burner accounts is a pretty prominent. No, player. but he's got a kind but, of stuck in the eighties vibe going with the, uh, with the collars. They, they do look kind of silly and he's, uh, apparently a bit touchy about that. Willing to defend his clothing choices. Uh, I mean... With a burner account. So much much worse than the KD burner account. It is so much... At least KD was just like, you're unfairly hating on me and you're being ridiculous. Uh, I I understand Kevin Durant's uh, burner account at least a little bit. This this is just like... This is the part where it's just like, dude, really? Why do you care? And what possible benefit do you get? The number of people who joked with him like... Yeah, good one, Brian Colangelo. To one of his burner accounts, like all these screenshots in there. It's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, and Sixers Twitter is just finding all of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who would have guessed that a rich fail son <laughs> who accrued his position, perhaps somewhat unscrupulous, maybe, maybe possibly by nepotism and, and thing yeah. went down, would be insecure about yeah. um, his job and his performance. Especially but, since the guy who preceded yeah. him was way better at it. Yeah. But, well, not man. according to... Uh, 
Brian Colangelo's burner account. Yeah. I will be willing to tell you that Sam Hinkie didn't do anything and that Brian is the real brains behind the operation. So that was my number three. What is your number three? Mine is that he named one of his accounts Philo one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, which makes me think I can guess all of his passwords to anything. Because I, dude, like are you the least creative person on earth and the dumbest? It sure seems like it is. It sure I, seems like it. Unbe- I don't even have more to add to it. They're, like it's just at least switch up the numbers. I don't know. Make it a less like this is like a Philly Russian bot account. Um, well, the Eric Jr. account had some random numbers, and Eric Jr. had some of the spiciest tweets, including the, you know, Jaleel Okafor stuff and, you know, insinuating that Markel Fultz's shot is broken because of the trainer who may have a relationship with Markel Fultz's mom. Um, yeah. That... I think that's definitely stuff you want to air out about your uh, number one overall pick who has severe self-confidence issues. Yeah. Another one was named Honest Abe. <laughs> um... Honest Abe. And another and another one. The handle uh, S Bonhams had the had the tag still balling. Which uh, sorry, Brian Colangelo, I don't think you were ever actually balling, and you won't be balling for much longer if you are. Um, also, enough unknown sources. Enough unknown sources. Oh, God, really... yeah. So yeah, actually, my number three has been expanded to all of these t- handles and names are terrible and stupid or hilarious. I mean. The fellow one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I I like just because it makes me think that I can I I don't have computer skills. I'm pretty sure I could somehow find a way to hack into Brian Colangelo's computer. Um and I have absolutely no idea how to do that. Um but Alex, you're number two. My number two. Okay, so this is a little bit of a deep cut. Um and from the Ringer article. They managed to, I guess this was the point where I was like, okay, I, this is extremely believable. I think it's Brian Angelo. It has to be. So they mentioned that he, these burner accounts followed, um, you know, a lot of stuff about the U Chicago men's basketball team where Colangelo's son plays. So oh man, like, this okay, is also my number two. <laughs> that's kind of a random thing. But, but he also mentioned the writer of this article, which I'm ashamed that I don't know his name because this is one of the greatest. Ben Dietrich. Ben Dietrich. Okay, sorry, Ben. That's my bad. I won't ever forget your name again. <laughs> but Ben also mentioned that the accounts followed a very obscure account of a guy who was on the board or the president of a company where Jerry Colangelo was on the board in Phoenix, where the Colangelos were before, and that Brian Colangelo had done investments or stock trading or something with him in the past. Yes. And that's just such a deep cut. And how do you follow that from the burner? That's a guy that you know in real life. Do you, if you have five burner accounts, why not just have one burner for all the people you want to follow and never tweet from that and not incriminate yourself with the other burners? Although I guess, you know, looking at this from a rational perspective, this wasn't a rational actor, but to me, it's just insane that he would want to follow this guy who had like 50 followers because you know, country club from multiple burner accounts. From yeah, it, it I mean, this like, is because I'm just going to jump in because this is uh, my number two was the fact that he followed like not only his son and his son's teammates, but his son's like mentor. Um, yeah, across yeah. all of the accounts, the sheer overlap. It's like, dude. I mean, even if you're just going to follow from a burner account, just choose one. Don't follow. Don't make it so you can link them all together. 
I mean, I mean, and like you said, this is clearly not somebody who's thinking this all the way through. He also followed from all five of his accounts uh, one of his former agents. <laughs> not a real, not a real mastermind back there. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's not brilliant at all. Um, but like he, he had like there's, I mean, this was kind of what tipped off the whole thing. It, it seems from putting this together was that whoever gave the tip to Ben Dietrich noticed these patterns. And the only way to notice these patterns was that Brian Colangelo was insanely sloppy with this. Almost impossibly sloppy. And that he followed pretty much the exact same accounts across all of his burners when none of that should have been necessary. What's the point of a burner? Like, I, it's it's I just unbelievable. I don't know what to tell you. It really is. Um, So I'm almost afraid to ask because I've already blown through my number two by jumping off of yours. But what is your number one? I feel like it's hard to decide. I feel Joel Embiid's reaction to it wasn't really part of the story, but tweeting at him that Sam Hinkie is better and smarter than you at one of the burner accounts. Yes. And then going back and favoriting tweets about Embiid, kind of crapping on him a little bit from the other burner accounts pretty amazing i think tipping the false trade i mean i i don't even know what to say about that like oh yeah maybe they'll actually just trade into the number one pick and pick faults like who's like i'm i don't yeah i'm bewildered i don't even know what to say <laughs> so right. i guess those two split for my number one I, that's there's really just so much there we, we've got a bit of a mind melt because i have i have a different number one that I put here, and then I put my actual number one in my notes, is in Beat's tweets, and had put, made sure to include the link to the tweet where he says, I'm just going to read it verbatim. Joel told me that Sam Hinkie is better and smarter than you, is better and smarter than you, is in all caps, and he adds one of the burner accounts, and then hashtags it burner account. <laughs> this is the same week that Joel and Beat has been filmed in Philadelphia, going to this one park and just cramming all over a bunch of bros who look like me <laughs> in pickup games and then going and, like, playing tennis with a trainer. But he's just, like, dunking on random Philadelphians during uh, pickup games. And then this blows up, and he and he has just a, a glorious Twitter run, even by Joel Embiid standards. And he is amazing at Twitter. But, man, you know... If there's one guy I wouldn't be uh, tweeting bad stuff about, even without all the professional stuff, don't get on Joel Embiid's bad side, man. It's it just seems like it's no fun. Um, so that was that was kind of my actual number one, but um, my number one because this this hits really close to home too, is that the author of the article, Ben Dietrich had muted one of Brian Colangelo's burner accounts before doing this investigation without realizing it. Because Brian Colangelo is just an obnoxious freaking dude on the internet. It's amazing. Like, you go through all these tweets, and it, you know, people joked at him that, like, maybe this could be Brian Colangelo, but it was because of the, like, absurd lengths he went to defend Brian Colangelo. I don't think anybody who said that actually thought that Brian Colangelo was behind these Twitter accounts because he runs an NBA franchise and nobody who runs an NBA franchise could be this dumb and this much just like an open moron, right? But mm. no, this no, is this not. is just another guy on the internet happens to run the Philadelphia 76ers because he's Jerry, Jerry Colangelo's son. So 
another angle that I just remembered was uh, when Dietrich found these accounts, he reached out to the Sixers and told them about them, but he didn't tell them about all the accounts he found. Oh, the way he went about reporting them about the ones he had found, they locked the others. Yes. So no, he, he, he set like the most obvious trap. I'm so glad you brought that up. He, he laid, I mean, it, it was just, I mean, and for Brian Colangelo, you gotta know that you're busted. Like the jig's up, dude. They, they, like they've already copped to like, you own one of these Twitter accounts. You're denying the existence of all the other ones, but then like you got told about two of them and then the other three lock. Like he really, I don't know what other stuff he could have done wrong and we're still learning more things. So I'm sure there's going to be more. Yeah. Like, like using his wife's phone broke just before we started recording. And I mean like mere minutes. Um, there will probably be more on this story fleshed out by the time this podcast airs. I'm sure there will be. We'll have missed an entire new list of things that we'll probably have to cover in the next episode. And we'll be happy to do so because this is amazing. Um, and to me, it's it's not just that he had a burner account. It's like whatever. And it's not just that he defended himself and crapped on Hanky, which funny, stupid, whatever. It's that he went so like it was such vicious stuff against Okafor and Bede and Fultz. Yeah, he was not holding back. Writers to try to influence some in that direction. Like, I, I just can't. I mean, you touched on the Okafor thing. I think we could circle back to that because, yeah, illegal, unethical, certainly immoral from my perspective. Crossed a lot of lines. It, it was just so stupid. What's the impetus for that? I just... I mean, know, that's, just, that's oh, the other I thing is a, a lot of this... A lot of this worst possible way. Yeah, I just I just don't understand how this benefited Brian Colangelo. Did he did Yeah, I mean I it had to be. I mean in the same way that Dave Brandon must have taken some catharsis out of sending really jerky emails to fans. Because uh, there is absolutely nothing to gain from this unless he actually wanted these reporters to undermine his own team, but I don't like that's that's truly insane. Yeah, because I I assume he's trying to win because he does want to prove that he's better than Sam Hankey. So the whole he's got to win. Oh yeah, I mean he's screwed. He's going to get fired. But I have a question. He won't have a chance to do that now because he has screwed himself over. But yes, fire away. How like what percentage of my Michigan burner accounts do you think you've muted from your account? Because every (laughs) so often I want to talk about fire Harbaugh this, fire Harbaugh that. I'm just wondering how many of my burners you've found, Alex. It's every it's every single one of them. It's all of them. You, yeah. you got you got to start using different phone numbers, man. It's just too easy to draw back. Yeah, well, and my Beeline can't recruit posts. Those those tend to uh, stir the pot a little. Yeah, bit they too, raise but... some red flags. Uh, that, you know, the fire Beeline hashtag got a little old. I'll be honest. Yeah, um, sorry, about that man. But yeah, so Colangelo, <laughs> giant idiot. He pretty much single-handedly turned around my sadness about the NBA after Chris Paul got hurt and the Rockets lost. Yes. And, you know, I was kind of down on the finals. I'm like, okay, it's not going to be that competitive. We've seen this matchup a bunch of times already. But then all of a sudden, out of the sky falls one of the great NBA subplots I have ever seen. And for an important franchise, it wasn't like the GM of the Orlando Magic was doing this. I mean, Philly has young potential future MVPs. I mean, it, it, this is this is the team of the process. This is this is an enormous team, and also this happens on a pretty unbelievable day on Twitter. I, I think it's okay to bring this up. Like, it was in the context of like 
Pusha T drops this uh, diss track that absolutely lays Drake to waste. I love that. And when you said when you said don't go after Joel Embiid, I was going to cut it and say don't go after Pusha yeah, T. Yeah, don't go after yeah, going Embiid. after Joel Embiid is like going after Pusha T. Except uh, I'd, I'd actually stay away from. I'd go after Joel first. I would go after Joel a hundred times before I would go after Pusha once. Yes. Um, so yeah, never, never piss off Pusha T. Who it sounds like may have like hired a private investigator before uh, dropping this track because <laughs> man, that dude had everything. Um, Oppo, Oppo, so much Oppo. Yeah, and... he, he was ready to roll. And so like, but like, yeah, like so we're getting like we already have this absurd Twitter night, and this this doesn't drop until relatively late. Like we're already pretty punchy. And then all of a sudden, Sixers Twitter explodes, NBA Twitter explodes. This is a big enough story that it reaches beyond the normal lengths because, I mean, this is a story that's crazy to people who are not basketball fans. It's really inexplicable to anyone. And yeah, last night was one of those nights on Twitter where it's like, okay, Twitter is generally a pretty horrible sighting experience. But I'm so glad that I'm logged on right now. (laughs) But when, when it's one of those times... It's just there's I mean, nothing it's like so it. Great. It's yeah. it's it's why uh, it's it's great for live sporting events and it's great for when just out of nowhere earth shattering news stories happen. Um, and and, and, and in this case, we got Drake one that was slander. hilarious. When there's Drake slander involved, even better. Yeah, I'm I'm here for that too. Uh, so I wonder if his ghostwriters have a comeback for Pusha yet. Uh, you know what? He he may want to just take the L. Yeah. And on and on that note, Brian Colangelo who has has yet to fully take the L, I would also advise to take the L. Just resign, dude. It's over. Um and he'll continue to defend himself. Like there's a certain pathology to guys like him that is just like Oh yeah, the fact that the fact that he's gone this far being rich and just go away. Yeah, he, like, enjoy your millions. It's fine. But I don't know, public humiliation and self-debasement. It's it's pretty funny for us, I guess. I mean, yeah, and and Colangelo is in it right now. Oh yeah. Well, and nobody's happier than Kevin Durant because you know he's not synonymous with burner accounts anymore. <laughs> when the NBA. Yeah, I, I think maybe the biggest winner of this whole week, Kevin Durant, makes the finals, uh, is almost guaranteed to get another ring, and is not the burner account guy anymore. Uh, that's that's a good week for Kevin Durant. Speaking of good weeks, Michigan had a pretty tremendous day today, and we're going to talk about that, which is relevant to many more of your people's interests, I, I believe, um, on the other side of this break. You're an MGO blog reader, so you've probably already met Gordon Fall. Yes, the guy who comes to all of our events. Yes, he is named after Gordy Howe. Yes, Wayne Gretzky knows this and says hi, Gordy, whenever they cross paths. Seriously. Gordon has stepped up to sponsor this podcast, so we should tell you what he does. Gordon is a licensed agent with New York Life Insurance. He specializes in holistic policies for individuals with long-term goals and short-term financial situations. He would like to expand that roster now in anticipation of opening his own shop next year and would rather work with fellow lifelong Michigan obsessives. If you're starting out in your career, growing your family, or beginning to think about retirement, you should talk to Gordon about crafting a plan for you. Visit GordonFall.com to start the conversation. 
That's G-O-R-D-O-N, fall.com. See me, man, I'm nothing like you. Got the kind of swagger that you ain't used to. Leaning in my rock. Me, I'm riding by you on the corner block. Living that boss's life. Girls come running when they see me coming. Living that boss's life. You can have anything, just don't touch my money. So a big two-for-one news day for Michigan basketball today. Charles Matthews announces that he is coming back for his registered junior year, which was uh, kind of presumed. I, did, I know on the MGO podcast we did an entire season preview, in which we pretty much assumed that Matthews was coming back. But he was one of the stragglers who was kind of among like the final 10 to 15 guys to who was on the fence to make a choice. Um, that always will make you a little bit nervous. You never know what what will happen with these NBA decisions. And uh, Charles Matthews comes back uh, within an hour or two. Um, Michigan beats out Kansas, Baylor, Marquette, Oklahoma State, and UCLA uh, for borderline five-star Texas forward Jalen Wilson, uh, kind of a combo 3-4 guy who put out a fantastic Uncle Drew-inspired commitment video, um, which if you have not watched, uh, it's embedded as a low post. It is well worth your time. Uh, one of the best commitment videos I've seen, and I and I'm, I don't think I'm saying that in a biased way. I, I do like You've that he picked Michigan, of- but I, I have seen many of them. I will take this over the Quinn Nordine plane thing. You know, I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep talking to move right past it and pretend I didn't bring up the Quinn Nordine played thing. Um, that was an all timer. Um, yeah, so great day for Michigan basketball. Um, listeners probably know that I am kind of a Michigan basketball super a fan. I pay a, a ton of attention to the program, but for those that don't, um, I definitely watch way more Big Ten basketball than what would be considered a healthy amount. You write about it on our site. I, I would hope that people it. read it. Yeah, I do uh, check Kempom and Bartorovic pretty much religiously during the season. Sometimes the off-season, to, too. Yeah, I actually did go to New York and San Antonio for the um, Big Ten Tournament and Final Four, and those pretty awesome experiences. But, yeah, so Matthews, it kind of seemed like the vibe from, you know, people talking on the Internet was that he was going to leave, you know, in these last couple days, and I was getting a little nervous today. Um, I got nervous today. I won't lie. Refreshed all my stuff countless times for for information, but yeah, since Matthews is back, um, I think you can pretty much say definitively that Michigan will have another top five defense with Simpson at guard, Matthews on the wing, Teske underneath, and Livers is another excellent defender. Um, Yaklic is still here, obviously. Yes, and we all, but more importantly, you know, go to guy on offense, guy that can create a shot for himself and for others. And a guy with a lot of room to grow, um, Michigan basketball, I would put them as number one in the Big Ten, um, especially now that Herter's gone from Maryland. Although I wasn't ever truly sold on them. No, but they had a lot of talent, and it was somebody you had to at least consider. And now uh, with Herter gone, yeah, they're, they're not going to top Unless Romeo Langford Michigan. is like a truly supernatural talent, I'm not too convinced that Indiana will really contend for the conference title. Michigan State should be really good, but they lose their two most talented players. And, yeah, you're sitting here and you're looking, okay, so Michigan has an excellent, excellent defensive core. 
some really promising young pieces that could develop into amazing scorers. Jordan Poole, obviously, don't really even need to talk about him. We all know how. Uh, I'm, how I'm happy to. <laughs> yeah, we can. We can. Talk, I, I love to talk about Jordan Poole too. I mean, I think him stepping into big minutes in a big usage role will be very fun and exciting. And you know, if he shows the type of pick and roll playmaking capabilities that. We've seen flashes from him, and we've seen other players develop during their Michigan careers. I think he could be a pretty unstoppable offensive option, especially with his ability to shoot off the dribble. But, you know, Brzezakis, Johns, DeJulius, all a lot of players that if one of them kind of, um, you know, exceeds expectations to a pretty significant degree, Michigan could be a, a really, really good team. Yeah, I, um, I'm with you on Michigan being the conference favorite at this point, because uh, we didn't even bring up Purdue because they lost pretty much everybody. Um, so that's Except for Carson Edwards, who's going to take thirty shots a game, and no Jell Eastern. He came back. Yeah, no Jell Eastern didn't go to the NBA. Hard to see why. Shocker. Um, the yeah, two dude was sub fifty percent on free throws. Uh, good. Good news on the you know with Jalen Wilson too on the recruiting front. I think that's a guy that you can kind of slot into the Matthews Manny Harris kind of moving left to right with the ball in his hands at the three spot. Especially since um, I w- I would guess Matthews is going to have moved on by the time Jalen Wilson gets to campus. My my assumption oh, yeah. is Charles Matthews is going the Mo Wagner route here. He will he has tested the process. He has gotten his feedback. He tussled with the decision. Uh, he will focus on this season, but he'll also have probably graduated um, yeah, after this year. So mm-hmm. uh, there's not going to be a lot keeping him here after after this season. So even though Michigan, uh, with Jalen Wilson's commitment, is technically full for 2019, uh, Michigan is not recruiting that way, nor should they. Um, they are the favorite uh, right now for borderline five-star Iowa point guard DJ Carton. Um, they are after, uh, a few other guards, Keon Brooks, uh, a, a straight up five star, although he, he's, he would be a tough pull. He's not going to Michigan. <laughs> uh, uh, Rocket Watts, the, the top 50 in-state prospect, uh, could be a more realistic option, uh, as could, um, surprisingly still three star, uh, New York, uh, shooter extraordinaire, Joe Girard, uh, who has Duke interest. I believe a Duke offer. You would think a Duke offer would bump him up to four star status, but I and like know. scoring more points than anybody in the state of New York and ever. Um, well, that's also pretty impressive. But yeah, you um, you know, you think okay, so assuming Carton winds up in the class, which I'm not sure exactly how big of an assumption that is. I'm not super plugged into the ins and outs of recruiting day to day, but it seems like there's a little bit. He's Michigan doesn't seem like quite the lock for him that they were considered for Wilson. But the Wilson, but the Wilson considered lot came through. Yeah. And then um, they still so are the favorite. Yeah. Between the last two classes, if Carton commits, that's four top 60 players in addition to Castleton and DeJulius. Who we consider to be quite better than their rankings. People complained about the recruiting post Final Four trip the first time. Um, we will not hear those some, complaints again. Yeah, no. Um, things have gone a lot differently. I think you could probably credit the assistant coaches for a lot of that. I know. Um, you mentioned the hello post that Yaklich did a lot of the work on Wilson, which shoot, if he if he recruits that well and coaches that well, like he's going to be a, a next power next head coach, coach coach and waiting, do whatever you need to do. Um, but DeAndre Haynes, Saudi Washington, both excellent recruiters and coaches as well. I mean, yes, Haynes with Simpson, and then 
Washington with Wagner and Teske. I mean, they both. Uh, so, yeah, Michigan, great assistant coaching staff, great head coach, good players. It's a lot of fun. Michigan basketball is there for me. Yeah, and we're we're still. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Michigan basketball. basketball has been the thing that I've been holding on to. Um, but uh, we still don't. We still don't really know entirely how much the whole FBI thing is going to impact recruiting, um, because it did. I don't. I, I don't think the FBI investigation was the turning point for John Beeline and Michigan's recruiting. I think mostly you date that back to like the Miles Bridges, Josh Langford. Uh, Tyus battle year, um, which I can bring up now because uh, they they put the Miles Bridges and Josh Langford thing to rest pretty definitively uh, this past season, um, and uh, and then Tyus Tyus battle helped beat Michigan State. So you know what? Maybe that all did work out in a very weird way. Um, yeah, we made the Final Four. Battle knocked out Michigan State as the last team in the field. Bridges is off the NBA. Josh Langford is uh, right now looking like a pretty huge disappointment. Maybe that would have played out differently if he had played for John Beeline instead of Tom Izzo. I would say yes, but we'll never know that. that Beeline wouldn't be thrilled with him taking every jump shot from two feet inside the arc and drawing up plays for the the short corner baseline Jays. He he would probably put him on the bench for uh, most of the shots he he took in the NCAA tournament. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's a bright future ahead. Um, they're recruiting at a level that looks good, seems sustainable um, with this assistant coaching staff. Uh, next year they'll be a, a potential favorite, and I mean they'll be right in it for a Big Ten title and more banners. I don't know how much more we can ask. And I mean, if this last year's team made the NCAA title game, that I'm never ruling out another beeline team making one again, uh, especially with the talent that he's bringing in. Uh, so, and we'll say, I mean, especially if he lands a couple five stars for 2019, <laughs> uh, you start talking about talent factory yeah, here. Because, uh, I mean, with the 2018 class that he brought in, he and his staff, I should say. Um, the, the future is extremely bright. We've we've discussed it a fair amount. We've written about it a lot, but there's there's no other way to talk about it right now. And and Jalen Wilson's commitment. I mean, we haven't even necessarily talked about him that much, but I I also really like uh, kind of the change in the way that uh, Beeline is approaching some of his recruits, where he's more willing to take on a guy like Glenn Robinson, where. Um, you see a lot of talent. You see a lot of skill. The skill hasn't necessarily come together yet, but there's a ton to work with. And with Wilson, he's not the athletic. He's not the athlete that uh, Robinson was and is. Uh, but he's got, I think, a little bit more for more refined skill right now, and he'll have that switchability between positions. And I, I think he's going to be. I mean, we're going to have to start looking more at how. Beeline recruits fit on defense than we used to because that is now I think much more a part of the consideration and I think how hard they went after Jalen Wilson who's a guy who has a nice looking shooting stroke but hasn't necessarily shot that great uh, throughout in his high school career um, struggled a little bit this spring on the AAU uh, circuit and admittedly small sample there um, and he's a good scorer but he's he's not necessarily a good scorer in the traditional beeline sense of just being a three-point sharpshooter and anything else is a bonus. Uh, 
Instead, he kind of fits the future of basketball where, I mean, like we were talking about earlier about how the Ryan Andersons are already irrelevant. Like, Michigan knows that they need everybody who's not a center to be able to switch on defense, and ideally also the center. Um, And Wilson fits that. He'll probably be able to switch two through four on defense. Uh, He might be able to play two through four on offense, uh, depending on how his shot develops. And they have loaded up with a lot of guys like that. Even just in the last class, you've got uh, Iggy Brasdakis, Brandon Johns, and Adrian Nunez, who are all in the like six six to six eight lanky uh, range. And those guys have different skill sets, but they're going to be able to guard a lot of the same players. And yeah. I'm really excited to see Luke Yaklich get a chance to work with that, considering what he was able to do with, say, a lineup usually featuring Duncan Robinson and Mo Wagner. Yeah, I mean, if you can get a top three defense out of Duncan Robinson and Mo Wagner, I, you know, what can you do with a defense that has Teske, Johns, Livers, all of those guys? We're going to yeah, find out. It's it's really interesting. Wilson, um, kind of a burly slasher, skilled scorer. Um, it's pretty physical, which I like. And, yeah, long arms, probably pretty switchy on defense, likely going to develop into a guy who can um, – guard multiple positions, shoot and pass, which is what we're looking at at the NBA where they're trying to get five guys with complementary skill sets that can guard all five positions and space the floor. And um, spacing the floor has always kind of been part of Beeline's MO, so I'm not worried about his inconsistent shot. But, yeah, top 50 recruit, you know, going to have those kind of scouting reports, very um, promising, and we'll see how it goes, Um, assuming that – I don't want to assume that Curtin's going to wind up in the class, but it's hard not to look at this class and be like, okay, well, if those two come in and you put them with all of the other guys that came in last year, so Iggy, Johns, Nunez, DeJulius, and um, Castleton, it's like those seven guys. I mean, that's a great, great place to start building for the future. It absolutely is. Um, that is that is a good note to end on for this podcast, as well as this note. Um, which is uh, our friend Brian Mack just dropped into the Slack chat. Um, Rob Doster tweeted earlier today um, in response to the news that Charles Matthews was returning. He said, that's big for the Wolverines. Borderline top 25 team with him in the fold. Um, That has three retweets, 35 likes, and 53 responses. Rob Doster is getting ratioed for thinking that Michigan with Charles Matthews is just a borderline top 25 team. Um He's I'm, not alone in thinking that, though. No, they, they are strangely underrated, I think. Um, yeah. But we know better. We know much yeah. better. We know John Beeline. Um, so there's there's good reason to have high hopes for next year. There's possibly even better reason to have even higher hopes for the year beyond that. But, this again, this team made the national title game last year. With the, last year's team. I just I, It still blows my mind. Um they field out a top three defense with Duncan Robinson and Mo Wagner. Um, it's going to be a very fun team and program to watch continue to come together and do some big things. I would continue to expect banners. Um, and we might actually get revenge on Villanova because DiVincenzo and Spellman both stayed in the draft. Yes, eventually we are going to do uh, you know, a conference overview where we we'll probably also talk a little bit about some other NBA draft uh, ramifications. We will also do uh, obviously more podcasts talking about the NBA finals as they go forward. We'll have some draft coverage, um, but that is all we have for tonight.
Thank you for listening to Not Just a Shooter. I am a Sandbender along with Alex Cook. We are brought to you by Gordon Fall of New York Life Insurance. Brian Colangelo, I recommend you change your passwords. LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James. Oh, that one clocked in in an hour. Man, it's been a long day, man. Yeah, it absolutely has. And apparently some offensive lineman just committed to Michigan. Wow, we were talking. That can wait until tomorrow.